Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So, I think we need to apologize. We need to apologize? Or do you need to apologize? We need to apologize because we're about to start discussing destiny again. Yeah, but at least this time, our listeners know to just avoid this episode if they don't want to hear about destiny, (laughs) rather than me talking about destiny for no reason in the middle of every episode. And things are a little bit different because, in this instance... I've kind of reached a point where I'm okay with Destiny again. I'm alright with it. And you can get some of my thoughts regarding... Did you actually read my blog piece? I read most of it. I read most of it. Most of it? You get bored. No, I didn't get bored. I just got, like, interrupted. And I get notifications (laughs) and things. And I go back and I'm like, did I read this paragraph? And then you tell me incorrect things about playing a hunter? (laughs) No, I told you completely correct things about playing a hunter. I, I, okay. Side, no, sidebar, no, sidebar, no, sidebar, no, sidebar, no, sidebar, no, sidebar. I tell Chris to, to use one specific care. thing because it's good against single targets and it has the best synergy with the exotic to for recharging it. And then Chris is Corporate like... synergy of destiny. There Chris is go. like, well, I use the other, the other ability... Against a large, more versus large groups of enemies, and it worked great. And it so worked I don't great under- against single enemies. It's, I don't even understand. Even if it's not the optimal against just one situation. Well, right, yeah, no, that's, that's, that was never my point, that it, would, oh, it won't work at all against single enemies. It was just that it's specifically tuned to this, and it's tuned to work in a certain way with certain equipment. So anyway, now that you <laughs> know more about Destiny than you care to know, um, in a vague well, actually, fashion. apparently, you do don't you probably do care to know if you continue listening at this point. Yeah. So, um, but so I'll stop giving you good advice. <laughs> super good advice. <laughs> anyway, so um, if you go to the blog uh, www.ramblepack64.com, which I don't know why you want to know the address at this point if you're listening to this, it's not like I'm on Twitter anymore. Um, I wrote a blog entry called Dr. Cade Love, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Grind, which I am proud of that title. Please tell me it's funny. It has a good title. It's it's a good. Solid title. And there is a lot of stuff I discussed within there regarding where I think the grind, in a sense, kind of fails or is using cheap, archaic, yet still common tactics that older games did not necessarily need. But it's sort of this this weird in-between, because what I ultimately came down to is, especially now, there are enough activities to choose from that you can just sign on to Destiny, and it's not about the grind. You don't, like, don't care about getting your increased light level. If anything, just use the challenges as a guide to, here are the activities I like doing, which ones have I already done so I got the reward, so maybe we could steer and move towards something different. Now, at the same time, I am still catching up on all the season pass content from year two I missed. I never got the season pass. I wasn't sure it was going to be worth the money. Even in hindsight, playing some of the modes, I'm still not certain. But I think from here on, 10 bucks for a, se- for a season isn't that bad. Um, And especially because they do seem to want to stretch that content out over the weeks as they're doing with Shadowkeep. So I think I'm in 
I think I'm in for the long haul again. Um, but it took a while and it took a mental adjustment. And I think for a lot of people, if you just use it as, okay, I'm going to be signing on this week, like one, two, or three nights a week, get together with my friends, play the game a little bit, like you'll find something of value in there. It'll be like if you ever had a time like I did where I was signing on regularly to play Left 4 Dead or Gears of War 2 with friends or Halo ODST or Reach uh, regularly. So we bounced around a lot of games. Castle Crash was another example. We bounced around a lot of games. Um, Destiny will, like can fit that spot for you with the different content it has available. Yeah, and, and this is, I think, a point where we're maybe a little bit spoiled. I don't know if that's the word for it. With with Destiny to a degree where we know the the shooting is fun, the mechanics are fun, um, out of the, the multiplayer aspect of it is fun, but then we get so caught up in the, the, the idea of the grind and the rewards where obviously everybody everybody's doing this now, where you can't just play, you don't just play a game to play a game. You play a game. You need green, you know, you, you have the white loot, the green loot. Right. Borderlands is even they doing get. this in their single player. Um, well, didn't Divisions Borderlands always kind of do it in their single player? Okay. Like, I didn't play a lot of Borderlands. I didn't mean to do that like they're doing it single. Uh, <laughs> you're right, they've always been a looter shooter. And that's the funny thing, again, because if we go back, listen to me talk about or read about me talking about Destiny 1, I remember a lot of people complaining that the loot wasn't uh, as frequent. In Destiny, as it wasn't well, it's it's people not, complaining. Oh yeah, yeah. Any, but I, I, anyway, um, we there's sort of this because there's progression. It becomes a, it be, feels like a grind where where 15 years ago, say 10 years ago, playing a mode where you rotate through a bunch of missions with your friends and you try to clear the missions and the missions change slightly there's two or three variations on each mission so when you go there might be different enemies in different places like that would have just been like a fun way to spend a night or a couple nights yeah. a week doing that but now it's like because oh I need to do three of these a week in order to get this reward and then like I can also do an additional one to get another reward, and and you know it sort of it sort of turns the 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 exist, existence of the spreadsheet in the background working all those numbers almost turns it into a grind from just being fun, and that's something I feel like Forsaken started to break, and the seasonal content to a lesser degree started to break, and I think Shadowkeep has really broken that because. Like you said, there's no need to do anything you don't want to do. Which was not always true with Destiny, to, the, right, to that, be honest. That's the first that thing. That was not always but true. But even now, here, here's part of the thing that I, that I have to get into, though, because one of the, I was discussing, in part, things, like, again, comparing to Halo Reach, where you only had one rank thing to build towards, so you leveled up your rank and everything. Every activity you took part in rewarded that it was just what difficulty how far did you get did you add modifiers 
and those would increase the amount of reward for uh, more difficult play. It incentivized playing on harder modes, and it everything, no matter what, rewarded towards one goal. Now, it was only for cosmetics and stuff, but that's part of the issue with Destiny. They're now... Like, they kind of subverted that, that, that carrot on the stick because it's tied to how strong you are, which means it's also tied to how difficult certain activities can be. So, it's possible that, okay, I need to get stronger. Well, there's a flashpoint available. Let me go do the flashpoint, and the flashpoint is not challenging. So, while the gunplay and the mechanics of Destiny are fun, if you're not being properly challenged, then they try with the 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 yeah. the, mod, the the calculated, you know, like damage right. caps and stuff like that. They try to make sure it's still um, challenging. But when you go back to an old zone, do those old see, things, they're not really enjoyable. They're, see, yeah, I see. Like I don't do flashpoints because well, not anymore. I don't either. Yeah, either. flashpoints. Flashpoints are like a last resort activity in destiny i feel like at this point where yeah if i if i'm i we had this discussion a while ago i think where my sort of intent or want was okay if you log in by yourself maybe run a flashpoint run a couple strikes get a couple rewards and then when it's time to uh, to get together with the team the fire team then we're ready to do the nightfall or to do another higher level activity that week as a team and rather than doing things like the flashpoint and strike playlist or crucible well you guys don't like crucible <laughs> uh as as a team so I, we sort of had a little disagreement there but with Shadowkeep, they've added essentially uh, there's just there's just so much to do at this point. Actually, there is there is one little funny thing. Uh, Nolan does not mind Crucible so much. I'm the one that would rather you do like, anything but Crucible. You don't like Crucible. Now, on the other hand, I don't mind Gambit. I do think the PvP element is invasive to what I would like to be doing. It's but literally called it. an invader. <laughs> it's literally an invader. <laughs> That's the whole point, is invasive. But they're not an Urkin invader. Um, but... Nolan, on the other hand, doesn't like it. And this is where, like, today we have the discussion and there's the argument because he finds it all bullet spongy. And I did understand after doing the whole Orpheus rig thing and the Hunter tether and everything, like, and I am trying to do better with the, the, the super use anyway, but I understood it's like, okay, if we start doing it this way, if we change a little bit the way we play then the bullet sponginess isn't that big of a problem. However, it's still like on the low of what he would prefer to do. I'm wondering if we could get a four-person fire team. That might change a bit. That way we always have four people working in tandem together. But that's... Uh, that's yeah, another so, so yeah, so... That's, I think, another thing with Destiny that will impact your enjoyment of it to some degree. I, I feel you need like, a fire team. You need at least two. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, playing definitely with. playing with other people. But also, how much does the sort of like Die Diablo esque 
management of inventory and then also the sort of playing the the meta game appeal to you so i feel like on a, on a spectrum sort of you and nolan are further over on the side of the spectrum where you sort of have the guns you like and the the class and subclass that you like for the most part there is some adjustment now going you, on. you've started to adjust that a little bit but like and, and you play that whereas i've always been i've been playing warlock and titan and i've always been mixing up the guns and and figuring out or reading about you know what are the best combinations what's gonna what's gonna work well in various activities and so i'm always constantly switching it up and that's part of how part of it goes into how I like to play multiplayer games, where I've always been attracted to support classes, like uh, going back to like Team Fortress or Castle Wolfenstein, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, where I'd like to play the medic mm-hmm. uh, and, th- and things like that, where support classes always been, so the idea that I can tweak my character to fulfill a specific role that's going to help my team versus just be like, these are the guns that I like to shoot. That's something that's always appealed to me about Destiny, where um, even if I'm not playing a support role in the technical sense, like today I was playing a DPS role with Warlock on Gambit. Um, and But that's an incredibly important role in Gambit because the biggest problem is DPS at the end of the match where you're fighting this primeval that's got a billion health hit points or whatever. And even say, as you get into the later waves, like if you get yeah. to, by the time you get to match two or especially three, the waves themselves are, have higher health. They're harder, they're more difficult. Yeah, there's more, so more you, orange, orange bars like popping up. Yeah. Maybe first wave unleash that super so it's ready by time. Right. The, uh, and you can get the other supers rotating. Um, but that's the thing. Like this is now where we're talking meta strategy and everything. Yeah. Um, but so so anyway. So I think that's that has always been a core mechanic of the game that has been uh, that has appealed to me. Where understanding how to use different. Well, and I still stick to the things I like. I like being a titan and charging in at a boss and punching him and then emptying my shotgun into him. Like that's a lot of fun. That's the kind of thing. Where I feel like, Chris, that's not your style, really. <laughs> nope. Well, the funny thing that you mentioned, like, when it comes to what you've played in past games, like, when I think about what I tried in Team Fortress 2, it was similar to when I played Shadowrun, which, in Shadowrun, I played the big heavy machine gun troll. And I tried to play the heavy weapons guy in Team Fortress 2, and I feel like in a lot of shooter, class-based shooters, I've always tried to be, like, the gunner guy. Hmm. And I feel like in Destiny, I'm not completely that, but I kind of am. But like, I, I, I never really did much in those competitive shooters, sniper roles or something. But then again, sniping an NPC is very different from sniping a player. Um, so, yeah. but no, like you're right. I mean, there are something, but I, it does make me, it was interesting because, I mean, as you know, I watched Skill Up and the whole Amen Gaming guys. And in one of their videos discussing Shadowkeep a bit, uh, the skill up guy mentioned that there's not really any new good guns in Shadowkeep so far. And granted, 
that was only by the the uh, by week two, and they're like we just yeah. got an exotic bow quest this week. Um, yeah, and I felt like, but I I don't agree with that because I'm actually like so Vex Offense has been dropping a lot of guns that me and Nolan don't really care about or care for. But, I like that. I like the submachine gun from Vex Offensive. That's that's been well. That's my highest. Day. Well, that's my highest second slot now. So I'm using that for a bit. <laughs> yeah. What is that one? Subjunctive. Subjunctive. But um. And listen, guys. I'm gonna do another. Oh aside. I'm gonna do another aside here. Why? Because my favorite gun from Destiny One was Ikora Ray's personal shotgun, an exotic weapon called Invective. And we didn't get it yet in Destiny 2. But now Ikora is central to this Vex offensive plot. You really and think people haven't figured If they're listening to this, they figure it out. Hopefully okay. you figured this out by now. And we're getting guns with names like Adhorative and Subjunctive. How long... Be- Objectivity versus Subjectivity. Uh, how long until we get Invective? That's that's all I want to ask. By the end of the season. By the end of this season, I'm in fact that's in... what this whole so this whole time, Icor has been building this Vex gate to reach it to an alternate timeline, get you a new invective, but a different kind of invective. Ooh. Well, so okay, so you missed out. I'm not serious about that. Something else that people have been speculating about is you missed out on the well, you didn't miss out. You just elected to not do the <laughs> Saint Fourteen quest in. Uh, one of the, the otherwise terrible Jesus. Curse of Osiris. Oh, mm, yes. It wasn't really that bad. Uh, so anyway, uh, it was a, it was a bit of a grind to get the Saint Fourteen quest, but it had some of the coolest lore in in Destiny. Where yeah, I already drank. All I think this is the first. I think I'm usually done before. And you. I had more than you. So basically, Saint Fourteen is one of these historic guardians that you you hear about in the lore. He's got like a different, he's got a helmet for Titans and another class armor piece for Titans. There's a couple different things associated with him. He was a Titan. And um, so basically it's, he disappeared into time at some point because as people do in science fiction. So anyway, you find the tomb of Saint 14 and Essentially, what happened was he got stuck in a Vex simulation and the Vex couldn't kill him. And there are just <laughs> mountains. There are, on, on either side, there are mountains of dead Vex all over the, the just surrounding him. And eventually, the Vex built a special Vex mind specifically calibrated to drain Saint-14's life. After he's killed millions of Vex in this, in his what becomes his tomb, and they drain his light, he kills the mind <laughs> <laughs> with his light drain, and then dies. And he leaves you a shotgun called Perfect Paradox. And the the note that he leaves you with that shotgun tells you that you gave that shotgun. Saint Fourteen got to see the last city in its current state. Thriving, not not as it was when he left um, after you know the Fallen had invaded and Twilight Gap and all of those other yeah, battles yeah, and Lorvid, yeah. and he saw this all this thriving city that was built up and everything was going great as as you left it, and you gave him 
this shotgun, Perfect Paradox, and now he's giving it back to you now that he's dead. And so, at some point, we need, to make, we, need to make, we need to meet Saint-14, and we need to give him his shotgun. But now, where was the snow? Like, how did you read the note? Was it part of the It was the, it was it was the lore, so you get the shotgun, and then you open the lore tab on the shotgun. Okay. And it tells you, um, it tells you the, the, the story. Okay, because of some of this paradox. stuff, this is, I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but. So, yeah. Anyways, that was an aside. It was an aside. So, anyway, I'm really hoping we get Invective, or we get, or maybe Invective is Perfect Paradox. I don't know. Somehow, it's a paradox. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm, we're getting a shotgun one way or the other. Maybe we're getting two shotguns. Speaking of actually. And then I won't know which one to use. I do like shotguns better in Destiny 2 than I like them in Destiny 1. So there is there's some changes going on with how I play. Yeah, so but you're right. Mostly I am assault rifle. Well, actually, that's even a difference. Destiny 1, I was pulse rifle. Now I'm assault rifle. I mean, I still did assault rifles in Destiny yeah. 1, but I preferred pulse rifles. Try out some different pulse rifles. Uh, eventually, when uh, Banshee wants me to do the calibration. Okay, yeah. So, uh, like, or when you need like one of these essence of things so, and you need So this is skills. this is this is probably a good seg to talk about. You should probably just talk about Shadow Keep, which is what I was going to talk about some of the new weapons and then you had to be like, "Oh, invective." Invective. Okay, let's uh, talk about the weapons a little. Bit. So so weapons, Tranquility is a good sniper rifle and I think half of the reason, like minimum 50% is the sound that it makes when it fires. It sounds like it's going to blow somebody up, <laughs> including the eardrums of the people within 20 feet of it firing. Me and Nolan were playing the other night, and we were across the map, and all of a sudden I hear Tranquility, and I'm like, you're sniping somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that is, that is something that is... Uh, across the board, Destiny knocks out of the park every time, and that's the the sound things like the the intangible, sometimes intangible things like the sound design. Um, yes and no, because Arc Logic is the first assault rifle in second slot that I've really enjoyed, and again, a lot of that has to come down to it sounds like a machine gun, right? And most most second slots because they're more element based. Have yeah. more of a pew, 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 and it's like this just sounds like it's plinking off people. Well, they kind of mostly do just plink off people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, the 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 shadow keep weapons in particular, like they sound great. The scopes are very nicely designed, and they just look cool. Yeah. So, shadow keep purple guns. I'm okay. Like I, I'm liking them. They're good new now, weapons. Did you get that that rocket launcher symphony of death or whatever it was? Uh, what did I get? I got the heavy machine gun. I did not get the rocket launcher yet. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, there is a... No, the rocket launcher I got with Shadow Keep was the exotic? There was, like a per there was an exotic void rocket launcher. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Oh, uh, if that's the one that we're talking about, uh, no. I'm not a fan of it. Like, it's slow. It splits apart like a grenade, but the tracking's awful. I was using that to try and get my rocket launcher kills, and it felt like it took way longer than it should have. I should have switched to another rocket launcher I had, even if it was weaker. 
Like, I... Because, yeah, before... Maybe I, it's it, more of, like, a PvP. I don't have it yet. Maybe? Because usually I mean, tracking... Tracking is a PvP, like... You might be right, because it looks like it's good for, like, if you're fighting against groups of, like, two or three or four people. Right. It'll, like, I'm thinking, So like it might be a better PvP weapon. Something yeah. like Gambit, where you'll have... You'll invade, and you'll have, like multiple guardians who are close together. You know what, it behaves kind of like when you're playing the Taken, um, the ta oh, what are they? The, oh, the, those little... The, the, the little ball things. Yeah, the, the, it, some of the Taken... Uh, like, not quite, because those have a bit more of an erratic straight line when it updates, and you can, sh you know, shoot yeah. it away. But it's like, at some point, the rocket splits apart into something like those. Interesting. So, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't know... I don't really like it. So that it's... that that rocket launcher, I'm not very much of a fan of. I don't okay. know if it's the one you are talking about. But I mean, you know, yeah, I got on the shot. I haven't gotten it yet, but apparently, Leviathan's Breath is the new exotic heavy bow, and from what I've seen, is getting good reviews. It feels, according to what I've seen, that like it's good. It's worth the heavy slot. It'll one shot guardians. Who are in body with body shots? So PVP is great. Super, yeah. But I can imagine if, if that's if it's one shotting a guardian like that, it's super. It'll probably in super especially, yeah. It'll probably do some some good boss damage. Um, they probably so you haven't done you don't have any of the black armory weapons. The big black armory weapons. I got one. We did do. Oh, you've got uh, Earth Hat. The, the Earth Forge. We did do. Okay. Um, and that is an interesting activity. Black, are you, so you, you've done a Black Armory now? We're going to get like a sort of a... I've been playing all this stuff, but now Chris is just getting Black getting Armory, Gambit Prime Reckoning. Still haven't, yeah, still haven't done any of the, uh, the, the Gambit Prime kind of stuff yet. But I've done a little bit of that Menagerie, which... That just feels scattered and disorganized the way it's been presented. And again, so does the Black Armory. armory. And part of it's because... Like the 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 armor the forges um, rotate now. Yeah, they they they, so, they like, sort of messed that up by making the forges rotate. I'm guessing. Well, you they, can just jump. I like, I got the quest completed just going to the one that they had. I'm guessing there they, was no quest to find the forge though. Yeah, see that's where they got you is because in the in the season of the forge where we discovered the black armory forges, we discovered them. Chris didn't discover them. I did. Uh, the there were these somewhat convoluted quests where you're like I get precision kills on Fallen in the Tangled Shore and then they drop something when you get precision kills on them and take that to the spider and yada 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 and now they're just like okay just do the forges we know we screwed this one up and that's the thing these haven't technically stopped doing that though because like we're still getting quests where it's like and now you gotta get like this many X weapon kills in this area like they are still doing that with That's, quests, and it's like this isn't a quest. It's sort of the running joke right now is Destiny or Bungie play the way you want to play, and then the bounty is you know get uh, you know head get body linear shots, linear fusion rifle shots, linear fusion rifle body shots on high yeah. in the Crown of Sorrow, or whatever. You know, like it's, so there is still and and that's that's part of where. Especially if it's like, yeah, let's do the Nightfall. Oh, but I gotta get these kills. So you're not necessarily playing optimally, which is if you're doing difficult content, you want to. 
and um, yeah, I was totally. I, I'm really, oh. I'm really sorry to any of my Gambit teammates today. While I was just like clearing out all my gunsmith bounties, <laughs> like oh, linear fusion rifle kills. Yeah, I'm just gonna steal all the heavy and shoot whoever <laughs> with linear fusion rifles. Sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. That was terrible. I'm a terrible person. Well, that goes without saying, but not with um. Oh, there was something. We're talking about bounties, really bounties being yeah, no, complicated and not playing optimally. Oh, and again, it does go a little bit back to rewards, too, because me and Nolan tried the Nightmare Hunt on a higher difficulty just to see, like, okay, what does this offer? It doesn't offer anything. Like, and this is where I get it, even in my blog, it's like, chests are kind of pointless. They make a nice sound effect, so they still feel good to open up. But you're not relying on chests to get, okay, chests are good until you hit the light cap. Well, no, actually, so that's, that is a, a shadow key quality of life improvement. And this is the idea that rather than in previously in Destiny, once you hit what's called the soft cap, anything that, any, any world drops are, just general world drops are going to be below like 10, 20, below your current light level. And those are only good for if for if you're trying to get certain rolls on certain weapons. Yeah. So you're saying, oh wow, these whatever Which even that wasn't updated. This until edge later. transit dropped with So it was a bad idea from the very get-go of the game, because the game didn't have those kinds of Well that was the same way in Destiny One then. Uh, but they had the re-rolls at least. Well, yeah, Destiny, but Destiny, Destiny Two, two and Destiny launched, Two and not. launched did not yet. So that was that was didn't really work in the in Destiny Two vanilla. Uh, anyway, so but in Shadow Keep, everything drops one or two levels below your current light level. Now, what that means is you have um, seven items, which are determined averaged out to determine your current light level so what that means though is that often what happens is you know you've got you've got one slot one of those seven items that is lower than the rest so when you're opening chests and other things you're consistently filling in those below average items so if you're mm. so if you're a kinetic weapon your top weapon slot is, is lagging you'll get a probably crappy, but but high power level kinetic weapon, which will then bring your whole ad average up. That does actually kind of explain why the subjunctive dropped at 922, when this, the arc logic was 920, and it yeah. wasn't a prime engram or anything. Yeah, so, so it, okay, so it is, it is better than it was, but it's still more on. It, it's less common, but it's better than it was. Yeah, so you're getting. So, so that's one of the reasons I, I was able to really boost my power level through Iron Banner. Because Iron Banner was dropping three blues for every match, and then at least one or two legendary items also. <laughs> and so I was just. Even without actually getting any powerful rewards. I was still just sort of slowly crawling up while I was grinding Iron Banner. Now, do the... I have to imagine they do. The engrams are dropping. Like, it's basically matched based on the power level 
if you got Shadowkeep and therefore the new season, then you're also get you also got that Gate Lord's Eye, which as you play will increase your power level. And it's basing off that number, right? Yes, that's also another so part of it. So right now my gear average is 919, but the equipment is dropping based on my 925 level. Yeah. So there you go. That that actually does help too. Yeah, so they, they've really smoothed out this grind and they've made... Well, they smoothed out the grind as long as you bought the latest content. Right. Well, even without it, it's still, it's still a little bit better. Yeah. But with the, with the season pass, the grind is majorly smoothed out and it's really uh, at least up to the the second cap. From so what I understand is the final grind to 960. When would that start? When hit 950. Mm. The final 10, you can only upgrade it through pinnacle gear. So Pinnacle Gear drops from Raids, Nightfalls, and uh, Iron Banner. So at that point, we're going to only sign on for Nightfall. <laughs> Basically. Um, well, unless, unless there's like a weapon quest or anything. So that's... Or we somehow managed to collect three other players in order to do Raids. The problem with that, I've heard, is that it's too slow. It just becomes a complete slog. Where, because of how long the raid is. Well, not just that, but because of how it's only the pinnacle gear is still is only is like dropping like one light above your current level, and so and it, See, so and you is, need to get of, like all you need to get all nine fifty one before you'll get anything nine fifty two to drop. Ooh. And so then you're just like. This is them trying to prolong it, so you, and I can understand that in some ways too, because one of the worst discoveries I made before Curse of Osiris landed, and again I wrote about this in the blog, was hitting that maximum light level without accomplishing anything, like just doing regular weekly activities, and then realizing there was nothing more. And while a lot of players would be like, "Oh, well, now is when you do the blah 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 content." But then also in year one, they didn't give you any reason to grind for weapons because they just handed out exotics like they were candy, and there were no random rolls. Every weapon the had random rolls is the big role. thing a lot of people bring up. But the thing is, uh, I don't think I'm that deep of a player. I don't think I'm that devoted. Otherwise, it would have more than just my hunter. Yeah, um, but it's still. I'm not. I'm not entirely. But I still have. There have been a handful of weapons that I really worked for. Some of them I've regretted working for. But um, so that's another. That's another aspect that they've really improved is weapon quests. Yeah, where they don't all have like a crucible step at some point. Well, not just that, but the the fact that essentially all of the new weapons are available as random world drops and as, or at least activity, specifically activity drops, and you have a way to get the weapon you want. So if you say, I want to get more of this auto rifle. Arc logic. Arc logic, yeah, you, you like arc logic. So like you can, you can go, you can get the items you need to buy the another Arc Logic quest, essentially, 
and then you complete the arc logic quest again, and you get a new arc logic. And I do and need. You I, can just do that over and over again. If all you want is arc logic, you can do it until you've got your perfect, you know, whatever roll. I do need to get better at checking the different rolls on these different weapons because I'm still not used to it. Um, I'm a little bit there with the armor because the armor has these individualized stats now. But yeah, I guess that's the other thing is armor 2.0. I don't have much to say about it at the moment. Yeah, I haven't been able to explore enough with it. Uh, my first response was, "This is just ridiculous." Um, I didn't find much of an improvement. I'm still not sure I do, but it is just, but it's not like it's worse either. It's different. Yeah, um, and I think it, what's tough too is we're at our our second reset, our third week since Shadowkeep, and people are kind of complaining like, "Oh, like this sucks," and like it doesn't. Because there's, there's certain, like, you need, I forget exactly how it is, but, like, only void armor will provide shotgun perks. And only arc armor will provide auto rifle perks and things like that. And so... That's weird. For the, because the energy, right? Yeah, the energy. So, like, you, people, you're, it becomes, so you get, like, an armor that's a great role, but then it's the elemental attunement is for weapons you don't use and you want is there anything else that elements like does that like help prevent damage so of that then, yeah the it'll also you can also add a mod for that element to reduce damage from it for each piece they didn't make that something you can actually choose though right so you can't choose the element of the armor but then when you get the armor you can apply so if you have Void attuned armor, you can make it have void resistance. Bungie keeps making good decisions, but then makes bad ones at the same time. It's kind of amazing how much they do this. Which this is something that they did in season one that I I like. The one of the good things about the year one setup was the elemental affinity of weapons and armor was a mod. Yes. So if you wanted to have so even though the roles weren't random, if you wanted to have, uh, what was a good, Uriel's Gift was a good auto rifle from years one. If you wanted to have like a void Uriel's Gift and an arc Uriel's Gift and a you solar Uriel's Gift, you get three of them and put a different mod in each one. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to be up against uh, Arc Burn. So let's yeah, do it's Arc Burn this week. So I pulled out my Arc Uriel's gift, and it's my favorite gun, and I can just kill everything. And now, oh, I got the Void version. That was actually a lot of fun. And it was the same thing with the armor. Uh, I don't know. That could have, that might yeah, work. And we're, we're, we're trying to find, because I think I had one, because we're trying to find recovery mods. Because now you can just, it, just swap mods in and out, it's not a, a finite supply. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I need recovery mods. Let me have recovery mods. And there's not a lot of those. No, I just got I just got a recovery mod for something. I was really excited about it. But um, this that part's getting a little too in-depth. To get a little bit into what I am liking about something Shadowkeep is doing, every week you get a new quest that involves Eris Morn and her old fire team teammates. And it gives a little bit of information, but and this is the last point I want to talk about. I don't know this how is, long this we'll has actually been happening since we're sitting. Where every technically every week. there was 
the, every week there's something with uh, Dreaming City, yes. Every week the Dream, right, there was Dreaming City, so there were three core missions that repeated because the Dreaming City's caught in this cycle, and then there were also, um, every three weeks you could go see, you could go to uh, see Queen Mara, and there would be some amount of exposition there on what's going on with the Taken and the darkness and everything else with Queen Mara, and then it would sort of you go through the cycle again. And well, here's the part of the thing with this one. Okay, so it's a little more personal with Forsaken, and yeah, it is a little more personal. And with Forsaken, it felt like Destiny was starting to figure out how to tell a good story again. And it's funny because it Again. took, it took yeah, it's true, it's true. It took jumping back to another old character that we already knew. And this is just like, and this is again my last point because we're, we're at the very least it's late for us. We got a late start, so. Um, I'm trying to figure out where my feelings are regarding the Destiny storytelling. Because I feel like there's three different writing teams. The best, hands down, is the lore team. Yeah, the lore team. It's Because it, it, it's not just world building. Even when you read a lot of these um, documents and stuff like that, the little stories that happen, the prose, the way they're told, is everything is actually told very, very well. And like what you said about Saint-14, like, just the idea of, okay, he's killing like millions of X, they send one in that steals his light and he still kills it. Like, dude, that's, a, that, that's <laughs> amazing. That's great stuff there. And then like the whole, you know, like he, he got perfect paradox and like, that's some good stuff. You have to open up a war tab to find that. Yeah. Versus the, and I say three teams, but I'm not sure if these teams are really two different ones or not. Because especially after the red, 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 red something. Red war. Red war. You don't get a red rum. Red rum. You don't get a lot of major cutscenes anymore. So I feel like there's cutscene writers as well, but there's the mission writers, and I feel like the way they try to deliver story is technically improving. But it still feels like part of it is because the way they introduce, they do it during missions or during this point or during that point. Like they're doing it during activities you're not primed to listen. Unless you're playing solo and you don't play with friends, but most of the time I'm doing a lot of the stuff playing co op with you guys. So, okay. So, my opinion on, on those guys, the mission writers. I actually think they did some decent work in assuming it's somewhat different teams in the the two somewhat maligned year one expansions um, I think that since then they've you mean basically the, the, the expansions where by the end of it everything's still status quo and nothing really changes well that's actually war mind. That's that's I put that the on beginning the beginning of war. That, I put that on the cinematic guys. The beginning of war. I'm, I'm pitting that one on the cinematic. I'm not guys. Not because the, the beginning of war. Mine. Rasputin's an AI we don't completely understand, but he helps us out. By the end of war. Mine. Rasputin's a computer we don't really understand, but he helps us out. That's war. Mine. 
And anything and that Adam Bray could have done, anything Adam Bray could have done and accomplished, we didn't really touch on. Well, see, I mean, it's the same thing with because this, wasn't it Bray? Wasn't it Bray? Wasn't it Bray that had the really awesome like Vex lore entry from Destiny One, where the scientists realize that it's running simulations on them and they don't even know if they're inside a simulation or not. Like oh, the no. scientists. That's that's. Is that her? That might be her sister. Her sister. Her sister becomes the stranger from Destiny One. So they finally explained that crap. Yeah, they explained that in Lore Tabs. Um, exactly. That's the thing. Lore Tabs. It's like Lore tabs th- that's what Anna, I mean. It's like so there's so much you could do with this, some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, Bray's sister in the future sends her consciousness back into an EXO who becomes the stranger. In Destiny 1. So that's why they decided, oh, we're done with her story. Even though most players are sitting there like, what do you mean? We don't even know what she's doing, who she's working with, and blah, blah, blah. Maybe she's going to come back. We're, we're doing it. Who knows? Maybe maybe Vex Offensive is going to blow our mind. The final Vex Offensive is going to blow our mind. So anyway, anyway, we, we got sidetracked here. So any, what I was going to say is I... So, but generally speaking, it, those the flow of those missions kind of went... Uh, I thought it was okay. I feel like since then we've basically gotten two or three really good missions. We have our introduction to, okay, no, maybe three or four. So we've got Forsaken Mission 1 um, with with Kate, and that was the most, with Kate and Petra, that was the most interactive I felt like any NPC had felt like mid-mission yes. to that point. That's probably the best mission period in Destiny so far, if we're going narrative-wise. Yeah, and even some of its even some of its execution gameplay-wise, because going through a prison of elders that's going berserk, pretty fantastic stuff. Yeah, and um, then and so then you have then you have the the first mission on the Tangled Shore. Where the where you're like in, it felt like Halo Two to me for some reason I don't know why it's I, very well actually no you're right because technically it should feel more like Halo Three but, but you're you're fighting alongside the spiders fallen yes um, and there is the, the spiky boys uh, you know you and that was a really cool and it felt cinematic and it felt like it was adding something to the universe that you. We've sort of gotten hints that the fallen are are people. Some they could become allies under the right circumstances, and then here you are fighting side by side with fallen. And then that was a well, we know from Varix that they can be. Yeah, uh, who was who was was loyal to uh, the Awoken. Um, then we have I think the opening mission to Shadowkeep. Um, which was, I think, less than. It was all right. Like you, you, you overhyped it because you were talking about tanks and everything, and I was like, ah. Like well, there's you know one good it? moment. There's one good moment, and it amazes me that even your ghost didn't mention it. It's when you crest that hill and you see in the distance all the nightmares and the earth behind them. Like they're yeah. lit by the glow of the earth, kind of a thing. Like because they they contrast with it, and it's gorgeous. It looks wonderful, and the game's kind of just like, yeah, whatever, keep going. Like the game doesn't even like do anything with it. 
It's not even like a, uh, oh look, a Vex Milk Waterfall. Exactly. Moment. Which I think the first, like I've completely missed the first several times. And now every single time I go through that launcher, I look at it. And like, it's a Vex Milk Waterfall. Look at all that Vex Milk. Thanks, Ghost. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, maybe uh, we'll gather that up for Ikora later. Yeah. Um, Inside joke. Uh, But no, so I definitely agree that the the lore behind Destiny, if you read through the tabs, there's a there's some really great stuff in Forsaken. Um, there is a Vex mind which impersonates um, Eris Morn, and in the lore, and it's it's talking to you, pretending to be Eris Morn, and Morn, and it turns out it's actually a Vex mind who's trying to trick you. Uh, and like stuff like that, like because Eris Morn had been working with. And all Curse of Osiris could do would be like Infinite Forest. Yeah. Like, I'm so yes. Talk about the biggest disappointment. Well, part of that's also because everyone's sitting there like the speaker's dead. Everyone's spoilers. The speaker's dead. It's like what's going to happen? Uh, uh, is uh, oh my goodness, Osiris Azik, is Osiris going to be the new speaker? And no, he's just going to keep. He, He's just still jumping around the simulations, I guess. Or something. something. Like, this big character that featured heavily in the lore and people were excited about is now a, like, non-entity. He's as forgotten as Sloane and Earth guy. Our only only hope is that come Destiny 3 or the next expansion, that some of these characters... Uh, Osiris and Anna Bray can can get the treatment that Eris Morn and Petra Benj got in Destiny 2. Well, I don't want to just say them because I think on the whole they have been getting better with their side characters. Right. The spider was great. Or at least I found him great. I really yeah, like the first time the spider. I don't think we need anything. We, we, the spider was great, but I don't think we need anything more than the spider. We do need something more from from Osiris. The spider will be great for a side activity, like maybe an ex- maybe something something like Prison of Elders, like just something where it's like you get to hear him, he gets to talk a bit, but it's not something that's central to the story, central to the plot. Just something good, like basically an excuse to remind you he's still there, he's still alive. Um, yeah, I'd be down with that. Because that would be pretty cool. But uh, to go on those, because you had the spider, you got a bit more Petrovenge, who's now like a little, a little angry and questioning herself a bit. Um, and again, like some of this is just, oh, we have a side dialogue. Like, I guess that's part of my feeling where I'm trying to figure out you've got to be able to merge some of this stuff together. Because you can't just load it, front load it with cutscenes, especially because it's a co-op game where you're designed to repeat content over and over. You don't want to have to keep doing cutscenes over and over again. But we do need more because when you have a when you have someone return from a mission and you're brought to the inventory screen and you're automatically in a mindset where because it's not interesting to watch them. There's nothing interesting going on with camera work. They're just talking and talking and gives you this sort of get on with it impression so you're not really listening to them and then you just read the quest text anyway and it's almost the same thing like it's you need to it feels very tell instead of show when you need show don't tell 
So Petra Venge will tell you what she's thinking and feeling, but you don't feel it because you're not shown it. You're told it. Yeah, and th- that is just a major weak point for me in, in the way they've been delivering. That's all, most almost all the season past con story content was delivered like that. It's like yeah. talk to the Drifter now. The Drifter is going to soliloquy for a minute, and you don't really care that much. Yeah, especially because the the, the delivery. It's like you're a you're a step down from Bioware Bethesda chatter, where at least you have dialogue options. So there's like reason to be invested or something, or I don't know. But like I feel like. There needs to be a way to merge because, like thus far, a lot of the story content feels like events happening, and there's more than that. Like it's almost like Destiny is stuck in a sort of Halo One mode because Halo One, and I bring this up because, of course, Bungie, but also because, in a lot of ways, Destiny is an expansion on the good and bad of the Halo franchise with some new twist mixed in. Um, Halo 1 is a story that is exclusively told from the perspective of human beings. Everything about the Covenant and then the Flood is a mystery. This is great for a first game in a single player series. uh, Because when you go back and you replay and you're playing single player so you have a lot of time to pay attention to things, to catch little slips of dialogue, it's easier to catch the stuff. Uh, ca- by catch this, I'm sorry, it is getting late. It's easier to catch like the little things. Like I still, like one of my favorite lines in Halo One is still, "Last time you asked me, would I do it?" It's something that the first like play through or two or three, especially co-op with my brother, I never noticed. Then I'm playing Legendary uh, one time, like my fourth play through the game, and he says it, and it's like, wait a minute. What are the implications of this and what it means about the Forerunner and blah, blah, blah. And then Halo 4 is complete trash when they finally talk to a Forerunner. But um, the, 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 the point is like Halo 1, like Destiny is like Halo 1 because you get very little of the alien races and it's all very much a mystery unless you read the lore. Halo 2 introduced us to the Covenant and really developed them. And but that's what the lore is doing. Like, and Halo, develops the flood a bit more than we would have liked. Yeah, but Halo <laughs> 2 story gave, like, took the lore of the Covenant and took a lot of theories people had in questions and developed it into a culture. All of that is still in the lore. With very little, like, the first time we started to get a real feeling of the Fallen in-game was with um, House of Wolves in Destiny 1 with mm-hmm. Variks because Variks acted as a window to describe these things to tell you about the Kell of Kells and I'm th- like it's, it's kind of funny when you think back and it's like you know House of Wolves may have done this a little bit better than just about, and well, maybe Taken King. It's been a while, and I never really paid that much attention to the Taken King story because I didn't play Crota. So I, I yeah, know. um, you. So I, I don't know. Again, like I'm just trying think, to think well, where they are now. So I, I guess part of it is is for the most part, you haven't. I think up until 
to some degree. Well, I mean, there've been some mining, but for the, for the most part, you haven't really changed this the status quo of the main story until Shadow Keep, to some degree. Where in Destiny One, well, you mean you, since in Destiny, Destiny One, two, right? Well, okay, okay. So, like in Destiny One, you. Um, you destroy the Heart of Darkness and the Black Garden and awaken the Traveler. Or something. You do something to the Traveler. That you prevent the dark, the Heart of Darkness from draining the Traveler's light or whatever yeah. it was. Okay. So yeah, you don't awaken it yet. You just prevent the, the darkness from draining the light from the Traveler. Okay. And then other stuff happens. Oryx shows up, you kill him. Or Crota shows up, you kill him. Skullus shows up, you kill him. And that's a direct line of logic, too. It's like... Well, Crota was always there. Crota was always there, but it's like the Taken King comes in as a direct consequence, too. To... Your previous actions. But in terms of... It felt like a through line. But in terms of the greater story of whatever war is happening between the darkness and the light and what caused the collapse of the Golden Age and all this other stuff, it doesn't really... You're, it's world, it's expanding the world, but it's not advancing the story. Until yeah. Destiny 2, when now the, the, at the end of the, the main campaign, now the Traveler has been awoken. Awakened. Yeah, not, not speaker's awoken. dead, Traveler wake, wakes up. The Traveler up. wakes up. And now it's, it even talks to you a little bit in mission. It sounds really weird, because I would have expected the Traveler. Wait, does it? Yeah, in your... When you, in Forsaken, when you get your third, um, when you do the mission to get your third subclass, you, the, the, the Traveler talks to you. Uh, as interpreted by Nolan North, or? No, it's, it's, it's a different voice. It actually says if you look at the subtitle, it goes to says it's the Traveler. I have to go back. I don't yeah, remember Yeah, I, I, I didn't... I, I only noticed and realized that it was a traveler speaking to you when I got the subtitles. Anyway, um, so that's that's that. And then you have the expansions, which, as you've noted, okay, like, um, we save Rasputin from a hive worm god, and that remains the Everything remains basically the same, and then we save... And talk about taking something that was originally, like, exciting, like the prospect of fighting a hive worm god and turning it into one of those, oh god, not again. Yeah. Like, that boss fight was a disappointment. Uh, and the repetition anyway. of that boss fight was a disappointment. Uh, yeah. And then you have the, you know, the right, same thing with Warmind, essentially. Or no, that's Warmind, and then Osiris is, you know, whatever we saved. We destroyed... A Vex mind that was had figured out how to end the world or something. Yeah. Um, and then that was, but then nothing changed other than the fact we saved the world again or the universe. And so what we haven't done though is actually move forward until until well, Shadow Keep when we Taken King. Well, Mara we died in Taken King, right? Was that? That was the beginning of Taken King, right? Mara, there. Queen Mara. Yeah. Yeah, so we didn't so really... there you go. That was a big event, too. But we didn't really know, like... You got to know her better, but it was still kind of this, like, wait a minute, so did did she die? Right, so that... So I'm guessing... I guess that's what I'm, what I'm kind of trying to get at, is I feel like all this stuff that's happening, 
Like, we've gotten the payoff, all the payoff we're going to get from Destiny 2 at this point. Yeah, because they killed Cade, and now they we're killed They killed Cade. It's so, okay, we need a new Hunter Vanguard. I don't think we're going to get a new Hunter Vanguard anytime well, soon. Well, we're not getting a new speaker. I think you're going to see... And then we also, this whole thing, the death of the speaker, and the, the Traveler Awakening and everything, it's sort of like... Uh, Really invalidates the, and it almost invalidates the platform. We had the factions in Destiny One, remember, and they were back for a little bit in they, Destiny yeah, Two. Yeah, then they gave up. On then them. they gave like, up. But just from a plot perspective, like Dead Orbit is wrong. The Traveler is alive and awake. It's not dead in orbit anymore, as implied by by the name <laughs> Dead Orbit. And with the Speaker dead, New Monarchy's kind of sunk too. If you were following them at all, so it just sort of not really. That's the funny thing is I didn't really keep much attention to any of the factions. So I mean, in future, but you're right. They they are kind of pointless, and I think part of what might also be an issue because they're also like like at least two of them. I can't remember what the uh, the the new monarchy voice actor was, but two out of three of them were at least big actors, and I'm thinking one of the reasons we might not be getting certain, like. Why don't we get more Sloan? Why don't we get more Earth Guy? Why don't we get more of the... Because can you get all of the actors and stuff? Like, I feel like one of the yeah. reasons you had difficulty getting Peter Dinklage back... Well, I don't know. There's a lot of word as to why, but... wizard came to, from the moon. There's probably... And I heard enough the, about the fact that they came in there, they gave barely any direction, they were rushing him through all this other crap. Right. So it's like, yeah, just read the line. So he's like, okay, he reads through the line once, and they don't give him any further direction. No alternate take. So that's some yeah. of the stuff that I've heard. Yeah. But regardless, um, also, let's face it, Peter Dinklage is becoming more and more popular, and therefore, less and less time, and probably more and more expensive. And, so, and I think this is this goes back a little bit to so Bungie is is now that they're especially now they're alone they're somewhat limited in the scope of what they can accomplish and the time they have to accomplish it without growing as a company, yeah. which I'm sure they're doing because but Destiny is wildly successful at this point. They also uh, have and this, some this move this part. move to free to play also seems to have been a huge boost for them and shadow keep is being generally well received uh i mean at the very least i do think because i've already seen some people contemplate getting the expansions that started playing free to play so i think it at least is a good move in that you know someone jo joins in with a free to play and they might be uh, a year behind or something but yeah. slowly collecting some of the expansions so there's still ways for them to make money without having to do some of the worst monetization schemes. Right. So, what, what it sort of comes down to, I think that their takeaway, Bungie doesn't seem to be great with the takeaways always, but I feel like their takeaway from year one was that they should be more focused on the sandbox than the story. Uh, where they said with the seasons, they're trying to bring the story more to the forefront. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're maybe they're correcting back because with the the year the Destiny Two Year Two seasons, the the story was really poorly delivered in my opinion. Where you only had more entries, written text, 
you had an entire character who's central to the season of the Drifter who is not voice acted at all. Oof. Um, there's a there's this um, warlock who is one of Ikora's hidden who's investigating the Drifter. So you choose to either side with the Drifter or side with this war this this other warlock, and. She's got texts and she's got lore entries and stuff. She does not have a voice. So if you choose her over the Drifter, I did both, I did the one path with my Titan and the other with my Warlock. I actually chose to side with her with my Titan and the Drifter with my Warlock. Anyway, uh, backwards, I guess. Um, but like, so you got stuff like that that really hampered the experience and the storytelling. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, so hopefully, yeah, maybe they're moving away from that. But I feel like that was some of the messaging that Destiny got, that Bungie got, in, and it has affected how they've moved forward. Less cinematics, less cutscene. Well, I feel like the it's been it's a, it's a cycle of things because I think part of why Destiny Two and the Red War were so much more cutscene heavy is because people complained about Destiny not having a story, which was, of course, wrong, just it's mostly in the lore. Um, well, I think going back then, to... Like, again, go back to my... Like, when I think of the story of Destiny 1, what does stand out for most is Varys. Varys is a character, man. Um, but for yeah. a lot of people, it was also Cade. And that is where I always had a bad feeling from the marketing of Destiny 2 because Cade was front and center. It was all joking in the live action commercial where it's like, and loot for the loot, you know, and do it for the loot. Yeah. And then like, it's like, and guns, what are you guys waiting for? Go get some guns, you know, like, it's like this not completely serious and yet they're also trying something serious. But then there's also just like, I was thinking about this too. It's like, the impression you get of the cabal from uh, the the what's the name of the general again? Um, Callus. No, no, the, not that's the emperor. Um, Gaul. Gaul. The impression you get of them from Gaul is completely different from the hedonistic Callus. From my perspective, from what I've well, that's so that was actually the the point was that that Callus was this. Was weak, well, was perceived as being a a sort of uh, whatever whatever you imagine, like Emperor Caligula or something. That he was not that he was weak, but that he was more concerned with his own pleasures than with governing. And so, Gaul raised up an army to overthrow Callus. He couldn't. He was not strong enough to destroy him, and so they basically sent Kalas off, exiled him in the Leviathan, um, and and took over the empire. And so Kalas has been floating around in space, eating planets with the Leviathan, while Gaul has been running the the Cabal or something, something along those lines. So that yeah, so that there is a. There is sort of a Gaul represents a military takeover of over a emperor. See, the way was, the campaign illustrated it, it sounded more like Gaul was doing all this to prove himself to the emperor to get that power and didn't already overthrow. Because I know there's uh, maybe there's maybe maybe run. Gaul wasn't the emperor. Maybe maybe he supported a different emperor to maybe. overthrow Callus, but Callus is an exile on the Leviathan. 
So, and so during the events of the Red War, he's just kind of chilling out, like, oh, this will be fun to watch. Maybe they'll blow up the sun, or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Like, I, like, see, again, like, I do feel like they've started to improve with the characters and their development. Because, again, like, so many of them just felt like, I don't know. Like, it, it, like, it was two extremes. You either had, I'm just a human character, and I speak yeah. about things. Or, um... You just don't quit, do you? <laughs> I was joking with Nolan that because it's like I, I, I handed something and she comes up you just never quit do you it's like no I don't but you're making me consider it <laughs> it's like you, you're really making me think I should just drop this game for good which of course now I won't but you're right it's like every time you just never quit dude it's like shut up Paul Thorne yeah. uh, but no um, remember when you hated us yeah. I liked that better <laughs> Talk about characters that are kind of pointless now that I think about it. It's like, she represents clans. Yeah, our three-person clan at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There you go. If you're playing Destiny, join our clan. Help contribute. As long as you're PS4. I don't know. Ravenhead. Um, Ravenhead, yes. Based off of an album name. But, um... Yeah, I guess we should be wrapping this up. Um... Point of the matter is story is needs they need to merge these elements together. I'm not entirely certain because there it's it is the difficulty of a game where you gotta replay the content and every time you do you're probably replaying it with friends, which means you're talking about anything but the story. So so, so real quick real quick top line. If you're not playing Destiny right now, pick now's the perfect time to start with Destiny 2 New Light. It is a massive, confusing mess. Yes. The first thing you want to do is actually play those campaigns that you've got to go talk to Amanda in the hangar. If you don't do know it. where that is, go to the tower, and as soon as you spawn in, go left. And eventually you'll find yeah. the hangar, and somewhere on there is Find Amanda, Amanda in the hangar. She's the cute one. Um, <laughs> I don't mean Ikora. Not really my name. Anyway. Uh, wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! I'm, I'm not even gonna. Wow! Uh, so, and she'll give you the story, which is play the stories first, play the the, the, the main campaigns first, uh, then find some of the other stuff you like. That's just my general advice. Yeah. Um, if you're a returning Destiny player, shot uh, the for. There are any number of reasons why you dropped off. Shadowkeep may fix some of those things. It might not. Um, but as I was as I was describing, if you like played the Destiny 2 campaign and were like thought of found it kind of generic, oh like invincible space good guys defeat evil space bad guys and light triumphs over darkness, yay. Like, since then, Destiny 2 has turned into some kind of death metal concept album where the ghosts of your dead friends haunt you on the moon. Um, it's Glory Hammer if they made a Halloween album. Yeah, you know, and the... <laughs> and so... Uh, and you kill magical space dragons, Laser which... powered <laughs> goblin smasher. <laughs> you, kill, you kill wish granting... Corrupted wish grantings, space dragons in the asteroid belt, in a place called the Dreaming City, um, and battle the curse. And like, 
anyway, yeah, so it, it's it's basically just become like a, a heavy metal album since since year one. Yeah. So it's, um, it's got some good stuff. And again, like I would also advise jumping into Escalation Protocol and Blindwell. Escalation Protocol especially is still a challenge, but not overly so. Like that's part yeah. of what I think find stuff that's a challenge if you can but that's where again you need friends to be able to play with well they had that a lot easier where if you you got the a lot of the activities now have the, the, the scaling so try it at but it's not quite the same like something i learned this time around was the best thing to do is explore lost sectors when you're new to the zone like yeah. we did a little bit with um the tangled shore and I, it was very difficult, but I did a Lost Sector by myself. Died once, but it felt like I was playing Halo on Legendary again, doing it solo. Yeah. Now I can go through there a lot easier. It's not really as much of a challenge, but that first time helped hook me back in. It helped hook me back into Destiny. It's the best thing, especially if you don't like, like you're probably, like I'm probably not gonna hit max light level. I don't think I'm going to. I don't think I'm going to play it enough to do that. Yeah. Uh, but by time the next expansion rolls around and they introduce a new zone, I'm going to go right for some of those lost sectors, and because that's the only yeah. time the lost sector is really worth it. And, and Otherwise, it's just tedious, repetitive content. Yeah, they, they really they did some cool stuff with the lost sectors this time. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, the, the the difficulty scaling does is. It does present more of a challenge because it also, in almost every case, adds more of the enemies that are um, like the overload enemies and the barrier enemies mm -hmm. and stuff like that, where you need to actually use strategy. You can't just roll through and shoot and hope, shoot them and hope to win. You've got to be using specific strategies or specific weapons. And yeah. That kind of anyway, so. I, I, it's really it's a, it's a great time to jump into Destiny, whether you're new to Destiny, whether you're coming back to Destiny after being a little bit disenfranchised or disemboweled. Probably not disemboweled. Probably not that. Probably not uh, that. Just, just remember, and again, go go for some more of my thoughts on it. Dr. Cade Love, or how I learned to stop worrying and love to grind. Because just don't worry about the light level, don't worry about the grind, don't worry about completing everything. Focus on the activities you like, and if you run out of those for challenges and powerful gear, say, okay, I'm going to play something else this week, and then wait until Tuesday. Because that's how I'm going to do it, and honestly, that's the best way, I think, to approach Destiny, if you're not someone that's die-hard into the chase. Like Steve. Yeah, yeah. What can I say? Mr. Addict. All right, everybody, have a good night. www.ramblepack64.com. Catch you later. Thanks.